0: Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is coming. Amen. Dear fellow waiters, watching for the Christ's coming. People sometimes wonder, or perhaps even argue, about which is the bigger Christian holiday, Christmas or Easter? You can't really have an answer to that, since they're both important. And since Easter could not happen without Christmas coming first and Christmas would be pretty much meaningless without the victory of Easter. But how about this for a calendar question? Which is the most overlooked or underappreciated season of the Christian church year? A good argument could be made that it is the one we are in right now, Advent. Of course, we here tonight are not guilty of ignoring or devaluing Advent, or, or we wouldn't be here. But when we look at Christianity more broadly, and especially when we consider the culture we live in, this season tends to get run over in the rush to Christmas. If people know Advent at all, it's usually just in the form of an Advent calendar, which is, for them, just a fancier way of counting down to the real holiday. It's not hard to understand how the season gets trampled. When Christmas items appear in the stores the day after Halloween, or sooner, Christmas music takes over the airwaves by Thanksgiving, and every ad and commercial for more than a month is reminding us to get our shopping done before everything runs out, well, the idea of four weeks of quiet preparation for the spiritual event that is Christ's coming just gets drowned out in all the noise. And even in many Christian churches, all the focus at this time of year is on programs and and pageants and the big blowout on Christmas Eve. And all these weeks before are considered the Christmas season. There's really nothing left after the 25th. Now, we are not here, of course, to run down other churches and their choices or to criticize the culture. When Advent is disrespected, Or run over, it is a loss and a tragedy. The ancient church set aside these weeks for good reason, and the season is a blessing for all who observe it as intended. But we don't just remember it; we treasure Advent. Our first reading tonight, Isaiah forty one to eleven, helps us see the treasures of preparation. And promises. The gospel readings in Advent always include the passages that tell us of John the Baptist's arrival and message, and he is clearly identified in them as the voice calling out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. In his deep love for his people, the Lord promised that when the time would fully come for the Messiah to be revealed, he would send a prophet to get the people ready to meet him. By preaching repentance, he would level out the rough places in sinners' hearts. And by preaching God's grace and faithfulness, he would lead those same sinners to trust in their Savior and to joy in knowing that the Christ would remove their guilt and shame forever and replace it with strength and glory. Well, of course, we know that John completed his mission and that the Messiah already came. We still treasure both the promises and the fulfillment of those promises as we remember them in Advent. The Baptist's message of repentance and preparation is one that we need to hear and heed just as much as the people of first century Palestine needed to because we are still sinners who get complacent and comfortable turning our backs on God. And we need the wake-up call that we hear ringing in the wilderness. And when times are troubled and our hearts struggle to find hope and peace, hearing that our warfare really is over and our guilt is fully paid for brings us comfort that we need. The days are dark and only getting darker as the world winds down to its end. And the herald's good news, here is your God! And the powerful image of our Good Shepherd gathering His lambs in His lap. These are things that we rejoice to hear and to know, and we hold on to these truths as precious gifts from our Lord. We might even think that hearing them once a year in Advent, is not hearing them enough. But the treasure that we have in our second reading from Luke 1 is so closely tied to Christ's birth that we don't question why we unwrap it only once a year. For too many people, the baby born and placed in a manger in Bethlehem just kind of happens. A pregnant Mary appears in the town... They're not prepared for her and Joseph, and so she gives birth in the most humble of circumstances. But Bethlehem was not the first step on that journey. It began some nine months earlier in Nazareth, in Galilee. And in Advent, we are reminded that Jesus' mother had a long pregnancy to ponder the meaning of what and who was growing in her womb, and to look forward with both excitement and apprehension to his birth, just as God's Old Testament people held on to his promises of a Savior through their centuries of anxious expectation. Advent shows us how the Father set the stage for the birth of his Son. And in this season, we are privileged to share in Mary's wonder at it all and to marvel at the strength and simplicity of her faith. When she asks the angel, how will this be? She does not doubt his news. She just wants to understand what will happen. And when he tells her, she calls herself the Lord's servant. His will is her joy to perform. And she says, may it happen to me as you have said. We are far too unfamiliar today with such straightforward trust in God's word and promises. But we do ourselves and our faith a great disservice if we think that God chose Mary because she was special and specially able to have such trust. So, therefore, we should never think that we can exhibit the same kind of trust because we're not special like Mary. That is nonsense of the first order. What qualified Mary for the weighty work of bearing and raising the world's Savior was not something innate in her, but was the high favor that the Lord showed her. His choice, not her ability. And that serves as a brilliant lesson for us in both the nature and power of God's grace in our own lives. We will never be called on to do anything as amazing as Mary was. But the call to faith follows the same pattern. We are told to believe and be saved, but we are not given faith or salvation in Christ because we merit it. We are given it because God looks on us with favor. He shows us grace and chooses to give all this to us. And our response then, not only to his gift of faith and salvation, but also then in gratitude to his call to service in our various vocations, our response is the same as Mary's. I am but the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. So as the season of Advent serves us by pointing us to Christ's first coming, we are taught fresh lessons in faith and they are reinforced not just by hearing god's promises again and considering again how they were fulfilled but also by seeing the examples of these two unlikely mothers mary and elizabeth and how they believed god even when all experience told them not to We are particularly inspired by the way Elizabeth encourages her young relative, not only welcoming her in what was obviously an awkward time of her pregnancy, but confirming for her what John's leaping in her womb and the Holy Spirit's filling had told her, that that was indeed Christ the Lord in Mary's womb. And just as Mary and Elizabeth were blessed because they believed the Lord's promises... So we are blessed by believing his promises, all of them, not just the ones that have already been fulfilled, but especially the ones that are still unseen. And that's what our reading from Hebrews 11 reminds us of, that Advent is also about looking forward in faith to the final fulfillment of all God's promises when Christ comes a second time and takes us all to our new home in paradise. And there is no treasure greater than the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. This treasure that will be ours, our home, is of inestimable worth, primarily because it is the place of perfect bliss and the presence of the Lord and all His people, but also because... It is described in Scripture in terms that leave no doubt about its wealth. Abraham lived two millennia before his descendant Jesus and four before us, his followers in faith. And yet he was looking forward to eternal life, won and guaranteed by the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, just as we are looking forward and counting on life in a city whose foundations, Revelation tells us, will be adorned with every kind of precious stone, sapphires, emeralds, rubies, diamonds, and more, and whose walls will be of jasper, whose gates will be made of pearl, and whose streets will be pure gold like transparent glass. Being pointed again to this treasure, which will be ours, when Christ our Savior returns at the end of all things, is another of the great blessings of Advent. But we also take a lesson from Abraham and from all the other saints who have gone before us, who looked forward as we do to the fulfillment of promises yet unseen, but certain to be kept. Abraham's sojourn on this earth was not easy. And it was marked primarily by long periods of waiting and trusting, watching and trusting, moving and trusting. The temptation of living in our age, with all of our conveniences and comforts, is to forget. To forget that there is something yet to look forward to, and that what we have now is almost worthless in comparison. Our prayer is that the preparation of this season leads us to remember what is of true and lasting value so that we grab hold of it and grab hold of all of God's promises with an ever-watchful, ever-stronger, ever-more-hopeful faith. So whether we have a midweek Advent service or not, whether you have an Advent wreath or calendar in your house or not, whether the world around us or the rest of the Christian church observes Advent or not, we know what blessings come to us through this season. They are ultimately the blessings we have in every season of the church year, the the conviction that we are sinners deserving God's judgment and incapable of saving ourselves, the call to repent, the announcement of God's goodness and grace, the preaching of Christ crucified and risen for forgiveness, eternal life and for freedom from sin, death, and the devil. But in Advent, we anticipate and contemplate the blessings of God's grace and faithfulness in a way and with a depth that makes our celebration of the great gift of His Son at Christmas that much more heartfelt, and that much more joyous. As we cry out for Emmanuel to come, to come. As we wander in the wasteland of this sinful world and sojourn as strangers among sinners who do not welcome us. As we see the grass wither and the flowers fade. The Word of our God that brings us His promises in this season speaks to our hearts, and comforts us. We look forward to our Lord's coming with strength, and we count on his gently shepherding us to the city where we will finally and fully be at home. We thank and praise him for all of this, and so we treasure Advent. Amen. Please rise. The one who testifies about these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all the saints. Amen.